What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This is the Budget Minded Traveler podcast, episode 23. Welcome to the Budget Minded Traveler podcast. Your source for the tips and tactics that will inspire and equip you to travel the world. And the best part? It won't break your bank. And now, the budget-minded traveler herself and your host, Jackie LaLainen. Hey guys, welcome to the Budget Minded Traveler podcast. Thanks for tuning in to episode 23 today, wherever you are, whether you be working or maybe at the gym or on a walk or whatever it is that you're doing. Thanks for spending this time with me. I have a super cool interview for you today. Um, I was really excited when I did it because I was so interested in the subject. It's something that I just know nothing about. Um, And if you happen to like bikes, then you're in the right place. My guest interviewees today are Adam Bainey and Tennille Smith. They are a couple living in the Tahoe area in um, California. And this spring, about six months ago, they actually took a trip to Europe with their bikes and did a tour through Spain and Portugal and France and ended up in Switzerland um, on a six-week tour just biking. And so, and Adam has actually done this before, about five years ago, he, he went on a solo trip three months through Europe on his bike. And so they are going to shed some light on that subject for us today. They have tons of good stuff to share about packing lists, you know, the, the gear that you need with specific recommendations, um, different things that happen to them on the road and how they deal with it and advice for people thinking about doing something like this. So it's definitely going to be especially great if you are thinking about possibly doing a bike tour yourself. And even if you aren't, you may be after this episode, kind of like I am. I mean, I've never really considered, I haven't really considered traveling by bike, but it sounds like so much fun. So you're going to get a glimpse into that today. So let's go ahead and get into the interview with Adam and Tanil. All right, I've got Adam, Bainey, and Tanil Smith on the line. And these guys went on a bike tour trip through Europe, like I said, and I cannot wait to talk to you guys about this. So how are you guys doing tonight? Awesome. And we're doing well. You guys have done something that I think is on a lot of people's bucket list and not not the majority, I would say, of people who want to travel, which makes what you did really, I think, super fascinating. Like for me, Riding a bike through Europe has never really been on my list, but then I look at your pictures and I'm like, my goodness, like you guys got to see things that you just don't see when you're in, you know, trains and buses mm-hmm. and you get to pull over on the side of the road to look at the sheep and like whatever it is, you know? And so it's so, such a unique way to travel and I'm really excited to talk about it. So first of all, what was the like structure of the trip? Where did you go from and to and how long was it? Like those kind of logistical details. Okay. Um, well, we, we started, you know, we, we tried to plan as much as we could and we planned mostly on where we wanted to land by weather. Um, that's probably the biggest thing that you want to, if somebody else is to do this, that's the biggest thing they want to keep in mind is weather. And we'll talk about that more probably because Weather's the biggest factor. Yeah. When you're out there in the elements or just you're on the road. I mean, you you're don't. You're not in the protection of a car. So. Yeah. You right. don't carry too much, as much as you can. And um, So we started in, what, southern Spain mm-hmm. in, Mal- in Malaga. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. 
Yeah, yeah. and so we kind of, we didn't decide, we sort of made a rough itinerary. We knew we were going to fly into Malaga, Spain and start there, and we knew we were going to fly out of Geneva, Switzerland. And so essentially we had six weeks to sort of get from Malaga to Switzerland. And we wanted to go through Portugal, and we had picked out some places in southern Spain we wanted to see. We wanted to see the Pyrenees and hopefully a little bit of France. And that was kind of as about as much as we had planned before we landed. And then we just sort of decided we would buy maps along the way. We bought the first map before we left. And mm-hmm. So I think we, kinda... we started with one book and one map, mm-hmm. kind of. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And total trip was six weeks. <clears throat> yep. A little over, little over six weeks on the bike. Um, yeah, started on the coast and worked our way up and, uh, six weeks, two rental cars, one rental car, two rental cars, two rental cars for probably a total of what, three days, Mm -hmm. three days of cars just to get, just to get, we had to get them because we were running low on time. We didn't. We didn't plan the trip well enough as far as time goes. So we sort we of kinda... grossly overestimated how much we would be able to ride every day yeah. or how okay. far we want to ride. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So, um, and what time of year was it? When did we? So we landed. It was late see. March. March yeah, 27th, March. maybe? Mm-hmm. 28th? We yeah. Landed, yeah, we landed in Malaga, Spain, March 28th. And it was, so it was kind of like late spring, which... For southern Spain, it was supposed to be perfect weather. You know? And it was. It was yeah. beautiful. We had a little bit of rain. But it was just but it was... warm but not hot. And like the rainy season was kind of over. So yeah. And it wasn't quite summer tourist season in most of the places we were yet. So that was nice also. Yeah, and that was good and bad. I mean, at some, at some respect, it was so quiet. It was nice to <laughs> cycle. But the yeah. weekends were just dead. I mean, we, we you know, so we started too early a little bit. But yeah. Um, so did you guys bring a tent? Like, was your plan to kind of camp along the way? Or was it, um, were you going to try and find hostels and stuff? What what, what was your plan there? Uh, I'll let Tennille can speak on that. Uh, what was the, so, yeah, we planned to camp the whole time. And we sort of, you know, me being the sissy one of the two, knew that we'd be getting some hotels if we had really bad weather. So, <laughs> okay. like, we, but we sort of planned to camp as much as we could and said, you know, we'd get hotels if we were really tired or hostels if we, you know, depending on where we were. So, yeah. yeah we wanted So, we actually did some research and um, we found a really amazing tent at an REI garage sale, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a big Agnes Coppersper. And this tent is one of their, like, ultra lightweight two-person tents. And, um, of course I had some holes in it, but we sent it back to them and got it fixed for like 10 bucks. So it ended up being an awesome find and is now like our favorite lightweight tent. So yeah, worked well. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so we had a tent, I think total, how many nights in hotels? What do you think we had? Probably Four, five, probably, probably like six, probably six five or nights. six yeah. nights, six nights of hotels or and, hostels, kind of a combo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We did whatever. Um, mostly That's hotels though. And they were decent. We stayed in Sevilla. We walked. That was a fun city. It's probably mm-hmm. our funnest city. Mm-hmm. I think we like Sevilla the best. But yeah. sometimes we like to kind of stay in the smaller towns. Actually, riding a bike in a big city is a lot more difficult than riding it in the country in a small town. Yeah, as far no as kidding. Safety, yeah. So. so if anybody does this, in the, in the <laughs> don't forget that. <laughs> yeah, going in and out of the big cities is just it's it's so hectic and. You don't know what's going on. You're looking for streets and kind of have to move with traffic. and It can be very tricky. With two people, you worry about the other person. So, um, right. yeah, big cities, kind of avoid them if you can. <laughs> yeah. How did you decide to do this trip, just going back a little bit? Well, going back to what you said earlier, I'm amazing. I've already done one other one. <laughs> so, Tamil knew I was amazing and wanted to wanted to come on a on a bike ride you, you know i i did say that adam but it was offline so now now you can proclaim it to everybody that's okay <laughs> yeah, that's what i'm saying it's perfect. <laughs> so yeah. that's what i was when you said i looked over at you i'm like yeah that's right <laughs> <laughs> yeah but uh, you had done this before so tell us about that back in 2009 um i was gonna I was working, and that's kind of when the economy, as far as construction management type stuff, went went down. You know, in California, so um, I started working for a carpenter in town, making kind of meager wages—not meager, but just—and um, I had money saved up, and I so I wanted to do something. So I kept saving for a little bit, worked some worked some more hours, and told my dad actually at a coffee shop. I told him, Dad, I think I'm gonna run a bike across the nation. He 
he looks at me and goes, okay. And I said, okay. And he goes, what kind of bike are you going to ride? And I tell him what kind of bike I'm thinking about building up. And he says, okay. And, and then he says, well, why don't you just go to Europe? And I said, that's, that's a heck of an idea. Yeah, no and kidding. so I started thinking about it. I said, well, I know a friend from high school who lives over there who married a guy that's in the Air Force. I could call her. So I get in contact with my friend, and she lives in uh, Kaiserslautern, Kaiserslautern uh, Germany. And it's uh, by the Ramstein Air Base. So a lot of, it's a big air base in Germany. Mm-hmm. So a lot of Americans live out there. Long story short, built up a bike, you know, put it together on the Internet, knew what I kind of wanted to build. And then that was about it. Bought, I found a really cheap ticket to uh, Frankfurt round trip for 570 bucks. Yeah, those were the days, right? Yeah, it was yeah. awesome. <laughs> so round trip from San Francisco to Frankfurt, um, 570 bucks. So I was like, oh, this is perfect. And but that trip was a lot longer, right? Or was it? Yeah, it was. That was about three and a half months. Oh yeah, okay. And you covered a lot more ground, right? I did a total of fourteen countries <laughs> and seven thousand eight hundred and sixty kilometers. Wow, that's <laughs> so many. So and I was self sustained by myself. It was a cool trip. Like it's crazy. I've always enjoyed riding bikes, so it was no big deal. You know, you start, uh-huh. it was a little crazy. I started in the rain my first day and I didn't know what was going on. And there was all these like souped up VWs ripping <laughs> on these backcountry roads in the rain right next to me. And so that was a little scary. But if you like riding bikes, it's, you're just cruising and everything's so new that it was just, you know, it just went by. It was towards the end. It was, it got a little too long, like by myself, you know, mm-hmm. Neil and I would love to do a longer yeah. trip, I think. And have more money, you know, so you don't have to always rough it and eat, <laughs> and eat cheap food and think yeah. about, but that's part of traveling when you're, when you don't have the funds. So, yep. right. So was it basically cause you had done this trip and then you wanted to to go with you? I mean, is that how you guys just decided uh, to kind of do it again? No, to a, to a pretty good bicycle rider. She's actually really good, you know, rides mountain bikes and stuff. So, you know, we rode together and that's kind of how we first started hanging out was riding our bikes and, I think it was oh, because mom, yeah. I was finishing, yeah, I was in my last year of school and I sort of had a nice schedule where I had this big chunk of time off and I wanted to go abroad somewhere and do something fun and spend as much time as I could. Mm-hmm. And, and Tineo and I were falling in love and it was like... So I persuaded him to yep. <laughs> take off work for six weeks and... And it was, it was, yeah, so it was at a point that like, yeah. we're going to either do this now or we're not going to have this chunk of time with, yeah. mm-hmm. for year or so That's and it was so good awesome. because I felt like he had this experience like he was comfortable like knowing what to do and I was you know ambitious enough to try to put it all together and so we we did we used She's airline like, miles to get our plane tickets and once we got our tickets in February or in January it was yeah. kind of a done deal so yeah so we, then we got our tickets we started rushing to get our bikes built that was kind oh, of chaotic yeah. like every night we'd be working on somebody's <laughs> bike making sure it was all dialed and mm-hmm. um so what what goes into that that kind of prep? Well, you have a decent you have a decent amount of gear. Here, I'll let T T. So I mean, I didn't have a bike to start with, like a touring bike. You know, road bikes and mountain bikes, yes, but not an actual like touring bike. And so um, it took me a lot of research online, just kind of figuring out what kind of bikes people ride, like what you what matters when you're looking for a touring bike as far as comfort and durability and like the things that you don't think about just on your mountain bikes and that kind of stuff. So I had to do quite a bit of research and try to figure out what worked. And for women, especially someone my size, that's like five, five, um, there's not tons of options for, for women's specific touring bikes. So I did a lot of searching and looking on eBay and Craigslist. And I finally found a bike in Canada that was a Cannondale touring bike that they don't make anymore. It's from 2006, but it was kind of just what I wanted. Heavy duty, um, solid rims and had racks and stuff like that. So we ordered that. And yeah, but it wasn't a, we decided, so I guess the basic description of our bikes would be like almost road bikes with wide tires, mm-hmm. cantilever, like a, like a cross bike kind of style bike with, um, with drop bars, not straight bars. So, you know, we were, we were more in like the road bike. Mm-hmm. We wanted efficient bikes over, yeah. over anything. We, we had knew to, we were we, riding mostly pavement. Yeah. The first time I went, I didn't have any fenders. I just like, I built up a cross bike and, but this time we had dual fenders, both. Mm-hmm. Which I'm uh, I'm on the fence. If you really need the fenders, you're gonna get wet if it's wet. The fenders are nice. <laughs> she likes them. I mean, they're, yeah. they're nice. But if you ride into town and stuff to 
from you know from your campsite or whatever and you want to wear jeans and then the road's wet you don't have to worry about it so mm-hmm. they're nice but um yeah, yeah. i think you, i don't know whatever it, it's they're kind of fun i mean I, that was one thing i enjoyed about the trip was like getting the bike together and picking out bags and trying to find you know good deals for stuff on craigslist or on certain websites and sort of just like getting the gear together i think was kind of fun for both of us we're both kind of like gear nerds so yeah for us to like go through and like pick out what we wanted to bring and, and try what, to find the lightest stuff we could right <laughs> what were some of those things like how did you pack how do you pack for this kind of trip because i mean you've got like two bags on the, I mean, two small kind of ba- like your your bags on the rack on your bike on mm-hmm. the back and then on the front. Is that right? Yeah, we I mean, have. You can't four fit a whole lot. Each. You can actually okay. fit quite a bit. The backpacks okay. are quite large that we had. Adams were smaller than mine, but you know, being a woman, I had to have a few extra items, <laughs> so <laughs> that was okay. But it was that was crazy. <laughs> that was that was probably one of the crazier things for me to see is all the stuff, all the like. Tennille's bag of cosmetics and stuff. Just because women have like more a stuff. Ziploc you know? bag, like a tiny Ziploc bag. He's like, why are you bringing that? And like, uh, the guy version is maybe like a small stick of deodorant if you, you know, want which to. Which I required him to which, bring. Which you, if you don't really need. And then, a toothbrush and toothpaste, and that's about it. Yeah. You know, so, so, anyways, but you have to be like, you know, we like picking out light stuff. Like, yeah, I so, actually wanted to buy a new sleeping bag anyway, so I got like a really nice super compressible down mountain hardware sleeping bag that essentially squeezed down to about the size of a Nalgene bottle. And I also got like a new sleeping pad that was also about the same size as a Nalgene bottle. So if you like think about like the biggest, the things that are usually the biggest when you go backpacking, like your tent, your sleeping bag and your sleeping pad are usually the things that end up taking up the most space. So if you can kind of get small versions of that, you really gain a lot. And with our tent, the tent that we got. and Yeah, our tent, our tent was pretty... It was small, so it fit on top of the rack. Mm-hmm. I think I carried the tent most of the time. Mm-hmm. And then we split the food. We had, we just did the canisters of gas and like one of the small burners, like a Whisper Light, or we had a Snow, a peak. snow peak. Yeah, yeah. we had a Snow Peak, which was awesome. Had the has a little button for the ignition, so that was nice. Not having to always light it with a lighter. And mm-hmm. um, did and you just like outfit yourself from REI? Well, we, we actually had a most yeah. of the stuff. We wanted to get another we tent, both, which was kind of ridiculous. We already had like 50 tents, but we're like, we have to get a super lightweight, <laughs> compact one. So. Yeah, and we found such a good deal. It was, 80, it was like a $400 tent. We found yeah. it for 80 bucks mm-hmm. at REI, mm-hmm. 89 bucks, mm-hmm. 90 bucks, And it had one one rip in it and a broken pole. So I sent it back to Big Agnes, and they charged me 10 bucks, And they fixed like half of the poles and, and, the, and fixed a hole in it like super yeah. good. So. Yeah, nice deal. It was it was awesome, and it worked perfectly Keep that for the whole mind. trip. Yeah. yeah. Was so, so you, yeah, so you just brought the tiny little camp stove to be able to cook when you were camping. Yeah. For yeah. We had a little titanium pot. The titanium pot and two and two mugs. Yeah, two mugs, and um, what else did we bring? We brought. You know, we had a we had like a one change of clothes that was like nice for the town, and then a couple changes. The thing that actually one of the harder things for me was I get cold really easily, and so knowing that we were going to go into the Pyrenees and we were going to kind of go from southern Spain where it was like warm beach summer weather up into the mountains where there could be rain and snow, as mm-hmm. it turns out. Um, you know, I kind of had to pack a lot of stuff because you want to have layers that you can peel off and have a bunch of different biking shorts for the different biking temperatures. So it's nice to have leggings and stuff that's like you can layer and take on and off. So we're trying to figure out all that. So you have like, you can make the right warmth for every sort of temperature that you're cycling in is kind of important. Um, so that was, that was fun, but yeah, you know, we, we did pretty good. And I think actually we were ended up being surprised that like the heaviest thing that we normally carried was like our food and we mm. brought a lot of wine or bought a lot of wine along the way. And so that also was pretty heavy. To pack along, <laughs> nice. So. Worth it though. <laughs> yes. Yeah. We won't complain about that. <laughs> yeah. And so was there anything that you brought that was kind of a fail that you didn't need in the end? We, you know, that's a good question. We asked ourselves that question, like what could we not have lived with? And there really, there wasn't that many things. Um, the only thing I would say is like we brought this one little lantern, this little paper lantern that converts like a, a headlamp into a lantern you can hang in your tent. And it's super tiny, weighs nothing, but we've never really used that. See, I um, think that was invaluable because I bought that and I loved it. I thought it was he super loves it, yeah. I thought it was but we super didn't actually cool. use it that much. It is cool, but we just didn't use it that much. Yeah, but I mean there wasn't like big stuff that we brought that we didn't want. You know, clothing wise, I think we packed We packed pretty well. We used everything that we I brought one pair of jeans. Mm-hmm. 
Um, it's definitely nice to have a down jacket just because no matter what, you're going to hit a cold night unless you go someplace warm. Yeah. But so we have both had nice down jackets, you know, yeah. like midweight, kind of light midweight jackets. And those are packable, so that's yeah, super small. That's the biggest thing is everything. Everything ha- everything should be packable. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, water waterproof. Actually, this is big dimension. Tennille had really nice waterproof bags and mm-hmm. um, front and back, and I had them only in the front. Uh, but I did have rain covers for the back. But if you can afford it to buy really nice waterproof bags, they're nice. They're so if, nice. if you know you're going to hit weather, but if you're not going to hit weather and you're just going to go for maybe one trip. The cost difference of just buying some kind of okay bags, yeah, um, you know, is probably will we'll get you through. Don't yeah. feel like you need to spend. Don't buy junk, but don't buy, you know, one hundred and fifty, two hundred dollar bags. You can get away with fifty, sixty dollar yeah. bags. You okay. know, and that's for a set. So fifty, sixty bucks for a set, mm-hmm. and then so that's two sets. Mm-hmm. So one hundred and fifty bucks on bags. Yeah. You could put a bike together for six, seven. I think mine six. ended up costing about eight hundred dollars total with all the stuff I did, and I bought like new tires for it and the fenders and yeah, uh, so just some basic stuff to tune it up. A thousand bucks if we're you know talk about money, I guess a thousand bucks each for the bike mm-hmm. with all the gear and extra clothing you might need if you don't have it, and then yeah. and then we spend about what sixteen to. 1500 to 2000 each. Yep, on yeah. the trip. Yeah, and we spent about 1500 to 2000 each on the trip. Okay. Um, so what is that? 2500, 5000 bucks for both of us. Yeah. Without the plane tickets, but that was 6 weeks of 6 weeks of traveling for 2500 bucks each. Mm-hmm. Right. And you got your tickets with miles, you said, right? Yeah. yeah, and we lived really, I mean, we you know, we yeah, we had some bad weather. We hit snow. Yeah. One we hit we hit like we tried to go over some mountain passes. And we hit snow, and I mean, we were like in some pretty nasty weather. Actually, it was like still winter. So um, I think we ended up having to spend more money on hotels and hostels than we really anticipated. Yeah, because they were expensive. And the rental car too. We didn't anticipate needing that, but yeah, that was a big chunk of money. Yeah. The rental car. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And, and yeah. In retros- in, yeah. In retrospect, if you can get away without doing the rental car, yeah. It's better because it keeps the fluidity of the trip. Yeah. Better. You have like, to. I think it's always better to sort of plan a smaller trip. Like we just definitely way overestimated how yeah. far we could ride and ended up having to make up a lot of time because we were like in Portugal and we're like, oh, we're kind of stuck in Portugal. We want to make sure we have enough time in France, and so we decided to get a rental car to sort of get out of Portugal. And I think it's good to sort of underestimate how far you're gonna ride every day so that you don't spread yourself too thin and you have time to spend in the areas you're going through and stuff. And you don't have yeah. to do something like that to kind of catch up. We found that the, the one thing you don't want to do is be stuck at night, like kind of <laughs> cycling mm-hmm. around, you're tired, you know, maybe it was a long day on the bike, you know, so a lot of times you spend, camp. that's what you do all day is just kind of ride your bike. And, mm-hmm. um, so it's better to, you know, try to call it early and enjoy the evening, enjoy where you're at instead of, pushing it, you know, like mm-hmm. set up camp and go into town and look around and see yeah. the sights instead of just, just riding your bike. I mean, yeah. that's a big part of it, but get that out of the way early if yeah. you can. Right. That makes perfect sense though. I mean, you don't want to miss, miss, you know, miss out on that kind of thing when you're over there for that reason. So yeah. we wanted to go have dinner like in town and like go try the local wine and like see what the locals are doing and like check out the whatever sites are in the town. So, you know, if you get to your, if we got to our camp by like two o'clock and we could set up and shower and kind of go wander around. That was awesome. You know, sometimes we went to yeah. the beach when we were in Portugal and it just really allows you to see more than, I mean, you see so much on the bike. It's awesome. So it's just, it's crazy how much yeah. you see. It's, that's the best part about it. It's a, it's a really nice speed to travel at. I, I mean, agree. It's mm-hmm. fast, but it's not too fast, and mm-hmm. you're pretty much in tune with the with where you're at. So yeah, yeah. So did you guys have any trouble getting your stuff overseas? Like, what did that look like for your bikes? <laughs> um, yeah. So we we put them in boxes, like cardboard box bike boxes, essentially. And our plan, which, which you get for free, just go down the, just go to your local bike shop. Yeah, just go to the bike shop and say you want an old cardboard box, and they give it to you. Yeah, you just gotta make sure you get one that's large enough to actually fit your bike. And so we essentially disassembled them completely, and then packed. You know, I had a little super compressible like Patagonia backpack that we took as our carry on with some essentials. And then we packed everything else that we were going to have for the whole trip in our bike boxes and just had those as our one luggage item. 
um, for the airlines. And um, so, yeah, you pretty much have to disassemble them mostly and then reassemble them at the airport, which we did in Malga. Um, so okay. we could ride directly from the airport. But so it takes a little bit of time. So that's the other thing to think about when you're buying your tickets is you don't want to get in at like midnight and then have to put your bike together for two hours and oh, you know, yeah. find a place to stay. So. That, that might be one of the better. I mean, we put our bikes together, you know, in a corner of the airport, but <laughs> yeah. you might want to get there and just get a cheap hotel room or a hostel or someplace where you can relax and put Take your, your bike together. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So did you, did you say, did you um, pay extra for the bike? Oh yeah, that was a, probably the most expensive thing we had to pay. Most for. Most expensive and the most stressful. Yeah. No, what was it? Yeah. It was four. We paid three hundred dollars, or let's see, we paid one hundred and fifty dollars per bike on the way there, and I think two hundred bucks. Yeah, two hundred dollars on the way back. Yeah, so that was like something we didn't. We thought we had it for free, yeah. and oh, we had and we had no other check bags, and we had two free so, check bags with our tickets. But they wouldn't, the bike, even though it was like less than our total for the two check bags, they still charge just because of dimensions. So mm-hmm. there's any way you can like separate them, separate into two sort of boxes that are within the normal dimensions. Like you would save that money. You know, you yeah, would have to totally disassemble your bike more than we did. And another, yeah, and another option, like the first time I went over there, I kind of started thinking like depending on how hardcore you want to go or not hardcore, but like depending on how many miles you want to ride or how long you want to go for, there's no reason you can't go over there almost and like just go to a big box store. Like what are they called? Um, what was a place called? Decathlon. Inter- yeah. Decathlon or whatever those places, those uh-huh. big, you know, big fives of Europe are called. Mm-hmm. Um, and just buy a bike, buy all the stuff, spend two days there and put yourself together and mm-hmm. uh, and just go, and then do something with your bike when you're mm-hmm. when you're done. Give it to somebody or do something because that might even be cheaper and easier. But if you really want to build a fast, efficient, you know, quality bike, it's going to be cheaper. And yeah, you're going to have to allow time to find the bike. You're going to buy one over there and get it tuned up to like work for you. And so that's the advantage of bringing it. Is it's already all set up. You know everything works. You can put it together there. You know all your stuff's going to fit in your bags. You're kind of ready to start hit the road when you get there yeah exactly right and everything's dialed you know you know everything works yeah right which maybe it should be maybe it would be better just to budget for that just to budget for the extra money yeah yeah we totally missed that (laughs) which was just it was more like a surprise for us we didn't know we were gonna have to pay for that that's such a bummer though yeah because that's kind of a big one so yeah um so then when it comes to the trip itself, what were like your favorite parts about it or, or what were your least favorite parts? Oh man, there's mm. so many. <laughs> oh man, yeah. Um, I'll let Tenille say the least, no. I'll let Tenille say the least yeah, favorite part. Yeah, that's probably a good idea. You go first with the best parts though. Okay, I'll go first. The, the best parts were, for me, probably doing it with, doing it with somebody else and doing it with somebody else I cared about. Because the first time I went and I was by myself and which is really fun, but doing it with somebody else, you you learn about the person. I mean, that's the, the the one thing about it is you're out there. I mean, you're actually you're on the road cruising along, and you need to deal with stuff together. If that's a flat tire or a rim exploding, a, a rim exploding, <laughs> like at the top of the top of the <laughs> top of the Alps um, yeah. on a closed road, that's you know that's another thing. So. You just deal with everything together. So, um, yeah, you that was like one of the best things was just the experience. I mean, the whole experience is good, but yeah, best parts were for me were probably the mountains. I think we both enjoyed yeah. the mountains the most. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. southern Spain was beautiful. It's kind of like rolling hills. Um, everything, vast country, the food, the oh. people, the wine, oh, um, areas that we liked the best. I would say for me, the best, my favorite area. Wow, it's tough. I would say the Pyrenees, even though they were tough for us. Yeah. Because we had bad weather, but they were, that area for me was just memorable for some reason. Yeah. The Pyrenees, yeah. The Pyrenees for me are like a recurring nightmare. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> it's like, I mean, it's not really that bad, but we we got into some bad snow. You know, we tried to do this cold, cold, cold day which is um, one of the Tour de France climbs, and it's, it's beautiful, and... There was a lot of snow on top, which we 
sort of knew we might get some rain in the Pyrenees, but then when we were climbing, it was actually snowing on us. And we thought we were going to go over this thing and then maybe hike our bikes. So we knew the road was closed. We thought we got the top. We'll be able to hike our bikes through the snow and just cruise and kind of get down the next side to the next valley or whatever. And but it we was like a so we carry snow. all of our stuff to the top. It's just <laughs> pouring rain. We're frozen by the time we get up there. It's like almost snow rain. Yeah. And the elevation no, it was actually snowing. Not snow it was rain, snowing at the snowing. top. But and then so we get up and. We get up to the ski resort. The ski resort shut down like a week before or something. Yeah. And we're just so like teeny. We're like, There's not we're even freezing. a coffee shop open. <laughs> There's no. nothing. Just an espresso we're to fr- get me to the top. So we like oh. sneak into like this little shelter deal and made we, some, we made soup, some soup. Hot was, soup. Yeah. The sun came out for me like 15 minutes. And so we took our stuff and dried it out front. <laughs> oh, it felt so good. Um, out in front of like this little, we have this little shelter and. And then we pedaled to the top, and I think the top was 1,709. Yeah. 1,709 meters. Mm-hmm. And, um, there was a lot yeah. of snow up there still. So we got to the top, and then we were frozen, so we rode our bikes down, and Tineo was frozen, so she hates it. Yeah. She it was, was, like, it was unbelievably. Like, you're soaking wet, and then, like, you think that the going up part is going to be the worst, but actually it turns out that's a lot better because you're working and you're keeping yourself warm, but on the yeah. downhill, you're just getting pelted with snow in your face, and you're soaking wet, and <laughs> wind on you and it's we had all our gears we had fully fully loaded bikes and And you got to be careful because it's a little bit slippery and luckily there's really no traffic fortunately yeah so it was beautiful though it was beautiful tell me that's not when your rim exploded that wasn't actually oh good because that would have been terrible yeah yeah the rim exploding was funny actually that happened in alps and we did the famous tour de france climb the alpe d'huez and uh, there's actually another coal called Col de Serene, which is up above that. And we decided we wanted to go up Alpe d'Huez and then up to this coal and down the other side. And it was kind of getting towards the end of our trip. And we get up to the top of the coal and we're having our lunch up there, just kind of hanging out. And Adam says, um, he's like, you know, we've been so lucky this whole trip. We really haven't had any mechanical, which was true. Like, Adam. <laughs> any problems with our bikes. Yeah. Been, like, perfect. Our bikes are like They've done tight and some bolts and that was it. Yeah, they've really done so well. And we go down maybe 50 yards, and I hear, like, what sounds well, like a shotgun. Yeah, and then before oh, no. that, we're, right, we're about to pedal up. I'm feeling my rim, my inside of my rim, and I'm like – or, like, where the brake hits it, the, you know, the braking surface. And I'm like, T, this thing is really getting worn through. It's Look, it's getting all concaved. And um, and she's like, yeah, that feels weird. And um, and then so back to the story. So this is before we start climbing. We yeah. get to the very top, and we're coming down this closed pass. So, yeah, it's, it's part of – this part is part of the Tour de France also, but it's like – an extra sketchy part. There's it's a very narrow road with a big cliff on the one side with no railing. I think, they, I think they've only done it once and people complain because yeah. it's so Dangerous. it's so gnarly because there's just like the roads covered in like debris and yeah they clear it but this this is early spring so there's all these rock slides that are still in the road from the winter time and these so are kinda, huge rocks yeah. like you know boulders the size of an ice chest yeah in the road. So we're kind of weaving our way through this and he's a little bit ahead of me and I'm, and it's a beautiful view though from there. So we're just kind of going slow and enjoying the view and he gets up a little bit ahead of me and I hear what sounds like a shotgun go off. And I was like, Oh, you know, I thought he like blew a tire or I thought that maybe there was actually somebody shooting down there and I come up close. We stop and look at his rim and the whole sidewall of his rim had blown out, like just peeled away. Oh no. Yeah. So yeah, the was, whole, like the whole metal piece cause the brake pad, I think with all like the debris and stuff from riding in the snow and yeah. the heat and everything just wore through the metal. So like a whole chunk of my rim at the very top of this mountain blows out. <laughs> I mean, we're like, you can't feet. fix it. Like yeah. I couldn't put a tube in. I was thinking about trying to fill my tire <laughs> with sticks. And tape. Oh, no. We didn't have enough tape. And like, yeah, and we didn't, we didn't have our, our normal set of gear with us because yeah. we were going back to that same campsite that night. So we actually had a very light load, which was nice. But, um, it was just funny because, we were, you know, 15 feet off the top of this coal and wheelless, essentially. So yeah, so. Adam had to ride the whole way down <laughs> on his rim. So, I, yeah, so I rode down <laughs> into this town. It was Sunday, so, like, nothing was open. So I ride down with just my tire around my rim, trying to protect my rim as best I could. And, like, after about two minutes, I knew that wouldn't work. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and then so we, we ride down. I find a mechanic in town. I say, hey, buddy, we can – I knock on the door. Everything's closed, and somebody opens the door because I saw a car out front. Gives me some tire, some wire cutters. I cut the bead on the tire, um, and then still have to descend down this mountain with like kind of 
kind of crazy exposure at times, like this yeah. huge canyon on one side with these little like concrete blocks kind of acting as the, as the barrier. Like, geez, that probably makes you feel real safe <laughs> on, on a metal, on a metal rim. It was, it was sketchy. Oh my God. So long story short is that we pedaled that. With 30, it was like 30 K I think on 30 kilometers on my rim yeah. back to this town. And then luckily we were just, you know, the town was a big, like the biggest biking town we, we ever went through because of the base of, uh, what was it? Bord, no, it was Bordeaux. Le Bordeaux Le Bordeaux mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, it was just, it was crazy. But that was yeah. really our only major mechanical. On the whole yeah. Time. We had a couple flat tires after that. but I know. And honestly, we only had maybe three flat tires total, and they were all at the end of the trip. You know, it was funny. I got one of mine at dinner that night. We like rode our bikes into town and had dinner and my tire was flat when I came out and that was like the first flat of the trip besides his room. So it was really, you know, we were pretty mechanical free, which was quite lucky. I mean, there was, there was so many amazing parts of the trip. Like when we got into France, like, you know, we went to Avignon, which was like a beautiful town. We hadn't really expected to, to go into the Rhone Valley, but we ended up riding north through the Rhone Valley and encountered the infamous Mistral wind, which is this amazingly impressive gale force wind that like, you know, will essentially stop you from pedaling. And Ugh. we spent a couple of days in a town just kind of holed up in our tent, wondering if the trees were going to like fall down on top of us. Oh, it, no. was, it was crazy. Like we tried to take videos of it to, to show our family, but they really don't, don't show they you don't how do crazy they strong don't do the winds are. So, yeah. um, but yeah, it was, it was awesome. I mean, we could go on forever. Yeah. Now, I tell you, Sorry. But, we keep getting sidetracked. It's so easy to just talk about like, the Vino Verde. Oh yeah, duck in France. It was just. We I just... brought I brought a fishing pole with me the whole time. <laughs> you did. Yeah, and I got I cut a little trout in a river in like a high alpine, <laughs> high um, this little town from right below the Alps. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was pretty fun. Caught a fish. Four Beautiful brown trout. Yeah. It was it was awesome. Yeah. So there lots was, of lots of good wine, but yes. oh, there are so many good parts of the trip. We said one of the days in Spain when it was raining, actually, we got to this campsite and because it's early spring, not a lot of the campsites are open. They kind of only open for the summer season when all the tourists come from mm-hmm. other parts of Europe and come with their caravans. You know, caravanning in Europe is like a big thing. Everybody's got their little motor home. Yeah. And so we were like, we essentially camped like under this awning of a shed at this campsite that wasn't open. Nobody was there yet. And then we found them in the morning and it's raining of course still. So we take off on our bikes from the campsite. We're soaked from the night before, you know, just kind of like, Oh man, here we go again. So we go out in the rain and we're pedaling and the guy from the campsite suddenly comes speeding up behind us. And of course, um, he speaks Spanish only and he's like waving his arm saying, follow, follow me, you know, and just kind of goes slow in front of us. And we're like, what's going on? You know, we're just kind of cruising behind him. We come around this corner and there's like a gushing river that the road goes through that we would have had to have traversed ourselves with our bike and all of our bikes and all of our stuff. And so he let us throw our bikes in the back of his truck oh and gave gosh. us a ride across the river. It was so nice. You oh, know? that's so sweet. Yeah, yeah, it was awesome. Just fun stuff. You yeah. Know? Mm-hmm. You know, the pe- meeting the people and actually getting to talk to people is like. Yeah, and, and the people in all of Spain and all of Portugal mm-hmm. um, were so friendly. Easiest. Yeah. That's that's like the one nice thing about traveling in Europe. For the most part, you'll be safe. I mean, yep. a lot of people go by themselves. So if you want to go by yourself, it's a it's a good place to you know learn how to ride your bike in a different country or you know bike touring in general. Yeah, but yeah. So it's nice. And every once in a while, meet you meet somebody who speaks English, especially in Portugal. Portugal actually, a lot of people in Portugal do not speak English, and we sort of speak a little bit of Spanish and felt like we were going to be okay going into Portugal because it's similar, but turns yeah. out it's actually not similar at all. <laughs> <laughs> Written or spoken, we couldn't understand what anyone said. No one understood any of our Spanish, and so we didn't talk to very many people in Portugal. Not any, but not not <clears throat> the same majority. Yeah. And so we, on um, one of our favorite towns, which is Viana do Castelo on the very north um, northern coast of Portugal, we finally ran into a guy. We were just walking along this river at the inlet where came in from the ocean at this town and happened to run into a guy and just I think we were just asking him directions for a restaurant or a restaurant recommendation and he spoke really good English and so we spent like 15 minutes talking to him and he just told us the whole history of this town and like the bridge that was there was built by Eiffel the same you know architect that designed the Eiffel Tower and all the history like eels that are in the river the lamprey so we ended up having lamprey pie for dinner and it was just like 
you can spend 15 minutes with somebody and just learn such a tremendous amount about like their culture and like the things to, that are really worth checking out while you're there. So that mm-hmm. was cool. Yeah, definitely a highlight. It sounds like. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> That's so fun. So are there any like specific resources, whether like guidebooks or actual, I guess, equipment that, that would be helpful for other people planning a trip like this or like, must-haves if you're biking? I mean, I know we kind of touched on a lot of different gear and stuff, but does anything stand out to you like that? Well, I guess, you know, find, finding your way around is a huge part of... Good maps. Yeah, yeah, good maps is like, that helps so much. Okay. And mm-hmm. you can find them over there if you, you know, if you find the right towns. Usually big towns have mm-hmm. a big bookstore and you get the right maps, but... You have to buy the super... Highly like zoomed in ones that show all the backcountry yeah, roads. I can't you don't remember what our scale is. It's like it's like one to two hundred or something or two hundred thousand, and it's like you know essentially the highest detail map you can buy for an area because the best part of bike touring is that you can take all these little back roads, small and miss roads, traffic, and you, yeah, and, you see the you see the rate you know the real real part of the country, mm-hmm. I guess. Right. So you need to have those super detailed maps to really be able yeah. to navigate through that. So I mean, as far as bringing stuff, you can either bring really good maps or some type of electronic device, you know, mm-hmm. nice thing about the maps is it won't break. Yeah. Um, mm, and I like maps. I think that's fun. It's, you know, <laughs> right. that's what you do at night. You, yeah. you sit in your tent and you look at the map and, Oh, look, we can go up this road and maybe take a right here. And this looks nice. And, you, and then if you have a topo map, you kind of look at, you know, you know topo getting, and, yeah. When you get into the mountains, that's nice for sure to have a topo. Um, um, you know, so I actually borrowed a solar charger from a friend of ours who, uh, had done a bike tour across cool. the U.S. Yeah, that was and that turned out to be really useful because, so of course, we had our cell phones that we use as my camera, and it was my cell phone and um, our way of like you know communicating with our family, getting on the internet to check things if we wanted to well, post photos. A, and that's another good point. Uh, must-have things, not a must-have, but if you have the room, bring a nice camera. I brought my really nice, mm-hmm. um, you know, SLR, like yeah, SLR type digital camera, um, mm-hmm. which was nice. Yeah, it's nice to have something. Kind of a pain to get out, and but you never was, regret taking those beautiful pictures or stopping yeah. in a place for an extra five minutes. So. Exactly. Yep. That was yeah. Cool. Yeah, but the solar charger was nice just because you know if we wanted to, we had like a little mini speaker too. So when we were on super quiet backcountry roads, sometimes we would just like like, like you know bust the music out and <laughs> <laughs> you know, listen she to would start dancing. Yeah, you know. <laughs> so nice. Again, so, that was having our little solar charger was nice because it would like charge my speaker real fast and um, charge our cell phones if we weren't at a campsite that had electricity. A lot of the campsites have electricity, but sometimes they'll make you pay for it, which we, of course, would never do. So having our solar charger was nice. It worked really well, actually, and would, you know, charge an iPhone like and we had like a tiny battery pack that we brought with us, too. So I'd either charge the battery pack or the phones directly. And so um, that was actually really nice to have. Yeah. And then. And if for the person wanting to go to, I mean, depending on what you're going to do from, if you don't get cold easy, I always brought a pair of tights and a pair of leggings and that was enough, you know, enough coverage. Mm-hmm. Okay. If super cold, I wear a pair of shorts, you know, you bring a pair of board shorts or something or a pair of shorts to walk around. And I think I brought one pair of casual shorts and one pair of board shorts. Mm-hmm. And I that's like, yeah. That's no, there's like- one pair of casual shorts. No, I brought two pairs of shorts. Swimming trunks, don't. Yeah, I brought swim trunks and (laughs) gotta bring trunks. Yep, uh, definitely. And so yeah, that's what I wore. I brought one. I brought two pairs of tights, one pair of leggings, um, two pairs of shorts, a nice kind of cashmere sweater, um, Mm -hmm. and a pair of jeans and Mm -hmm. one cotton t-shirt. It's nice to bring something cotton to to change into. You know, Mm -hmm. yeah. At the bring, end of the day, bring you know. a beanie, but for me, I never needed like long tights. Like if you're thinking about, because that was my first question when I went my first time. I asked a buddy that had been before, and he's like, "Just bring leggings, and they can, you know, they're, they're stuff that you can layer is the yeah, most. Yeah, they're they're useful. small. And, yeah, like I had this jacket that I love. That's a road cycling jacket that Candale makes, and essentially it zips the sleeves zip off, um, so you can just wear it as a vest, and the vest is like super well ventilated. Um, and so I use that a lot because you kind of go from climbing to descending and it was nice to easily take the arms on and off if I just wanted a little bit of extra windbreak on the yeah. downhill, super easy to wear. So that jacket was awesome. I wore it all the time, um, when we were riding and so, yeah, I don't know. The solar charger is good. 
Yeah. You know, I might get, um, I might just put some links to a bunch of these things because I feel like this is some really good resources. Like all the things that you've mentioned for packing, you've mm-hmm. pretty much outlined a packing list for this type of trip, which is awesome. Cause I know that that's a challenge for so many people. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it we'll was probably so fun for us to like go through and research and find the lightest, you know, whatever yeah. we were looking for most compact. So yeah, that was fun for us. For awesome. Sure. So yeah. So you guys have already done the research so we can just kind of, put some links on the show notes page and let everybody just have at it. So Sounds good. That's cool. All right. So one last question for you guys. What advice would you give to other people thinking about doing a bike tour through Europe? I mean, you've already given a lot, but like I'm talking more like the, how, how did it impact your life kind of thing? Well, first of all, as Adam mentioned earlier, you have to pick somebody you actually really like to go with and it's going to be a good travel buddy for you because, you know, especially it depends on sort of your travel experience. If you've been a lot of places, I think overseas before and sort of know how, how to function in a place where you don't speak the language and don't really know how to get around and cultures are different. You kind of like have to be comfortable with that and be able to roll with the punches and stuff is pretty much never going to go how you plan it. And you know, you're going to change your course and things are going to happen that push you in a different direction all the time. And so you just have to be able to go with somebody that's flexible and can kind of handle all that stuff. And you have to be the same way too. And just sort of like go into it open-minded and know that that's like part of the adventure of it. Right. Um, that's the most important thing probably. I mean, that is probably the biggest thing is that who you every, go with yeah. the trip. <laughs> I mean, everybody's been traveling at some point if it's with family or yeah. whatever that variances of, you know, adventure to just mm-hmm. going someplace easy, but it's an adventure and you have to just, yeah. um, with no it. matter what, it's going to be good. Yeah. That's, that is the point is like, we kind of decided that, you know, we didn't ride as far as we wanted to this day or we didn't do that, but like whatever you do is going to be awesome. And I think if, you know, another good piece of advice I would think is that when you're planning your trip again, like pick a small area to cover and just take your time seeing it because you're not going to want to ride fast every day and you're not going to be able to if you're climbing, depending on if you're in a really mountainous region or not. And you want to be able to stop and have lunch and check out a ch- check out a town that you're going through or and you want to get to your camp early so that you can see where you're staying. And, you know, so I that was like probably the, the one thing that we kept telling ourselves when we got back. We're like, next time we're just going to pick a little bit of a smaller area and really take our time um, either that or spend more time have a longer <laughs> trip a and longer go slower <laughs> yeah and yeah. are you guys planning that next trip yet um, well we sort of have vacation scheduled for june but we haven't decided what to do with yeah it we yet. don't know <laughs> it's not that long of a vacation it's only so. two weeks unfortunately but you, can, sure. you yeah. can do a lot in two weeks yeah yeah you can that yeah. is true two weeks you have you have more funds to hopefully use over those two weeks so you yeah. can you know which I don't like. I like the non-planning side. Yeah, that's, that's so, the one thing we didn't want is we didn't want to like dictate our route. We wanted to know we were going to start some, here and end here and then the, what was, what came in between. We wanted to kind of pick as we went. So, yeah, so. Mm-hmm. we like that. It was awesome. It was good. It was a good trip. Um, it sounds like it was so much fun and so beautiful. I think yeah. just, just looking through your pictures just – it makes me want to do that. And I, <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, I don't ride my bike like you do. I have like a really heavy beach cruiser and but you Bozeman's know, pretty flat. So, <laughs> but you don't, you don't need much. You need something that, you know, rolls good. I mean, you need more than a beach cruiser, but yeah. you don't really need much. You just need a, a tuned up bike mm-hmm. that can hold racks. I mean, even if it's just back bags, you know, you can yeah. just, mm-hmm. Honestly, you don't really need much. I mean, I've come across a lot. When you're on the road, you'll meet other people too, and you mm-hmm. see what they use. And I, you, I mean, you see, you see all kinds of things out there. And you're like, wow, this person's yeah. been out here for this long. And you know, it's just- it's funny. You were asking us about gear, and the one thing I just thought of was that, like, we ran into right when we came into Portugal, the first night that we spent in Portugal, we ran into the Frenchman Gilles. Um, who lives uh, in France and he was on a bike tour and he was the first bike tour that we'd seen besides ourselves. And he gave us this, this um, tarp, I guess you would call it. Super thin plastic tarp. It's like a silver lightweight. It's um, can be used as like a heat blanket or something like that. And we actually used it just so we could have something to sit on. Like 
under our tent or like to put under the vestibules in our tent and to sit on if we just were like wanted to have something to cook dinner on out in the open and yeah like, it's just nice yeah it was so, amazing it was like the best present yeah, ever bring, it's like super thin plastic mm, bring one of those so lightweight yeah it's good. Mm, yeah it's really that's awesome. a good point. i don't know so you learn a lot when you're on the trip from the yeah. people you meet essentially and Charlie. that's true everywhere for every <laughs> kind of trip that's yeah. true for sure gosh thank you guys so much this has been super fun <laughs> <laughs> just like yeah. going really through your trip and yeah it's it's crazy it's fun to think about and yeah. talk about yeah and i'm sure a lot of people are really gonna really going to benefit from this because i love how much you got into detail and stuff it's super helpful so thank you so much i really appreciate you coming on the show and um definitely let me know when you decide to do this again because uh we'll i'm sure you'll have more to share so definitely yep. <laughs> all right thank you guys so much have a good night and we'll talk to you later okay thank you jackie all right thanks so i don't know about you guys but i feel like i just went on an adventure with them and that's why i liked that interview so much they just kind of took me away with their stories and everything so i hope that you had fun with that as well and um, like we said there are some links on the show notes page which you can find at the budgetmindedtraveler.com slash 23 and Tanil also mentioned that she may be creating a gear list for us. So um, if she gets that done, we will have that on the show notes page as well. And that would actually be a downloadable document. Um, but for now, there are some notes, some things to remember and some itemized things for the packing list. So go ahead and check that out. TheBudgetMindedTraveler.com slash 23. And you can also keep the conversation going there. If you have any questions or comments, there is a comment section there. Especially if you have done this before, please feel free to comment and share with us um, anything that you have to add or uh, if if you plan on doing a trip like this, we would love to hear about it. So um, keep that in mind. And uh, that's it for today. So thanks guys for listening and we'll see you next time. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.